Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading, and I'm joined, as ever, by my co-host and fellow editor, Kelsey Sizer. Hey, Kelsey. Hi, Phil. Thanks for being on the podcast. You're Always welcome. nice to have you. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to um, be here. Yeah, so we talked about IoT today. Um, our guest is Eric Brunei. He is the uh, director of the Internet of Things business for Vodafone Business, and um I found it to be a very interesting conversation because um, he brought a bit of perspective to it. He's been in, in that business for um, for well over a decade, mm-hmm. um, or at least associated with it for, for, for that period of time. And I was quite surprised at, uh, I guess, how generalist the business is uh, mm-hmm. for, for Vodafone business. It seems like they help uh, a pretty wide variety of sectors, pretty wide variety of businesses. Yeah, we had some interesting discussion around um, some IoT use cases uh, for farming, for, mm. um, now I'm trying to like, oh, I don't know what they're called. The, 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 you know, uh, how businesses are reacting to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing doing business in a pandemic. I thought that, mm-hmm. I thought that was a particularly interesting uh, uh, use case. Yeah. Definitely. And um, just uh, keeping that corporate um, responsibility, not only for the pandemic, but also um, from a sustainability uh, standpoint. And um, he also talked about internally at Vodafone, some of their own um, goals in terms of um, going carbon neutral and uh, using renewable um, energy resources. Yeah, it's interesting. So just just as you know, IOT doesn't seem to be a business that that has quite the it's not quite as hot a topic in the telecom world as maybe open ran and some mm-hmm. five, and you know five G and that sort of thing. Um, but he was uh, I, I was really interested in his perspective on how all of those business seem to be pushing IOT forward. Right. Yeah, um, definitely a lot of. Uh, different options for uh, a variety of verticals and also got to talk a little bit about um, blockchain and and how that's um, an important component for uh, helping IoT devices speak to each other. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, um, it's always interesting, too, to hear a network provider, you know, talk about becoming more open and getting, you know, getting uh, businesses out of their own way, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just unusual. You know, usually yeah. they want to be in the center of everybody's universe, but um, <laughs> this 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 whole approach to IoT sounds like you have to really um, give the business control of their own destiny and just facilitate whatever whatever it is they want to do next. Right. Um, so anyway, let's get to it. Uh, our guest, Eric Bernay, he's the uh, head of the Internet of Things business at Vodafone Business, and that interview's coming up right about now. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Eric Brunei from Vodafone Business. Uh, thanks for joining today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure, Phil. And you're uh, joining us today from Munich, is that right? That is right. Yeah, Munich, Germany. Fantastic. Um, so you've been you've been uh, uh, stuck there. Do you normally work out of uh, uh, out of Munich, or do you try? You, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Tend to travel a lot. Yeah, I'm uh, my my role in Vodafone as um, head of the IoT business is a global one. 
So mm-hmm. the headquarters actually in London. I usually come to the UK for a few oh, days okay. and I travel the world um, to see customers since we're the most international telecommunications company. So I really literally go into every continent um, uh, at least once a year. <laughs> oh, that's great. But um, I've been stuck here now for a year, which um, at least it's a nice area to be in. You know, it's <laughs> a little bit of skiing in winter, hiking right. in summer. So, yeah. Yeah, I can't complain. That's not too bad. Um, so uh, you've been in the IoT market for a while. Um, you were giving us your, your background. You 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 helped start the business, the IoT business at Vodafone, um, went away for a bit, came back to it. Um, how big is that market now, uh, the, at least the, vo- the part that Vodafone business addresses? And how do you see that? You know, how, how big do you think that market's going to get in the next few years? Yeah. So the market, IoT market, is um, now already quite big. So yes, you're, you're right. I've, I've worked in the IoT space for a long time um, before joining Vodafone 12 years ago. I worked for Siemens in that space, and uh, it, I, I was there when it was not even called IoT yet, but machine to machine, M to M. It is already a significant market now with today roughly about 12 billion IoT devices in the world. Um, uh, not all of these devices are on public mobile networks. So the market we play in as Vodafone, and um, we have 118 million IoT connections on our global networks. That market is um, roughly about um, 1.5 to 2 billion uh, connections. And um, we expect the IoT market to double uh, or to more than double over the coming 10 years. Um, I think we're going to probably discuss later um, what drives this. Uh, we, we see a lot of new applications coming. We also see 5G as a technology to support this growth because um, 5G can handle a lot more connections um, per cell than um, 4G and uh, 3G, 2G connect, uh, uh, networks can. And um, mobile private networks, which our customers are building uh, to, to, um, to manage their factories, or harbors or mines um, that also drives um, adoption of IoT. So we see huge growth and a doubling of the business in less than ten years. Wow. Okay. That's a yeah. That's a that's a lot that's going on. Um, the is there a particular? Yeah, we'll get into the confluence of of all the different trends that are kind of propelling that. Um, just before we kind of move in that direction. Um, is the part of business that Vodafone business addresses in the IoT space, is that centered around a particular um, vertical or a particular discipline? You know, is it mostly in manufacturing? Is it mostly in automotive or something like that? Um, Actually, no. Um, We focus on um, uh, serving all vertical markets with our IoT connectivity. Uh, Automotive business is a big one, but we also have more than 12 million smart metering connections. We support all kinds of industrial applications where people put their uh, put connectivity into um, uh, uh, into production machines. But we also have a lot of consumer devices such as e-readers, for example. So um, uh, our connectivity serves everything. We also have a solutions business where we um, where we are very strong in providing automotive solutions and solutions such as usage-based insurance for insurers. Uh, but on the connectivity side, we really serve every segment. Um, of course, there are a lot of uh, connections out in the world, also on Wi-Fi networks and, and other networks. 
Um, mm -hmm. So, but wherever there is a public mobile network connection, uh, it's our ambition to serve that. Cool. Yeah, that, that's really helpful because we hear a lot about the manufacturing side, but, you know, certainly runs the gamut there. Uh, one thing we've been discussing a lot more on the podcast as well is um, businesses needing to focus more on sustainability and and how they're making that a priority. So how are your customers, if at all, using IoT to improve their corporate social responsibility and, and show that they have a focus on sustainability? Kelsey, that, that's an excellent question because it's right in the focus of um, most of the customers we talk to. And I've also discussed the topic personally with lots of customers. Before I um, come to the applications, um, let me just give you some statistics because um, we basically calculate uh, the um, uh, CO2 savings that we support with our connections and, um, our, uh, uh, and our commitment is actually that we support businesses to save 350 million tons of CO2 uh, by 2030. And just to put that in comparison, that is the complete annual CO2 consumption of Italy today. So, mm. so we are happy that this is a huge lever uh, in order to help the whole world um, achieve, uh, achieve their CO2 targets. Now, how specifically um, can we achieve that? There are already lots of applications today where the benefit is clear, like, for example, in fleet management. If you manage your fleets more effectively, um, your trucks only need to drive to where um, where they need to drive to or you route them around traffic jams that immediately reduces emissions also smart parking solutions actually um, 20 percent of all the traffic in cities today is caused by um, people who are searching for a parking spot right so immediately <laughs> yeah in the we've all been yeah. down that road before <laughs> it's amazing no, especially it's at amazing. target so yeah yeah and it also causes lots of traffic jams so if you get the people who are searching for parking spots off the street by uh, pointing them to a free one immediately, you reduce um, uh, emissions uh, in a, uh, very highly. So, so we made these calculations jointly with um, parking experts. Smart meters, you know, um, whenever you exchange a meter where somebody needs to physically go to and read the meter through a connection, you obviously save the fuel for that and so on and so forth. So. Um, uh, lots of applications from our customers, um, but at the same time, we see the trend that our customers actually want to know how much can I save, um, uh, because uh, the whole topic of um, being environmentally friendly is getting more and more important for our customers as well, which is a great development. And finally, um, Vodafone, we ourselves also commit to um, net zero emissions for our networks by 2040 and mm. by 2021 already this year we commit that all the energy for our networks will come from renewable energy only well that's a pretty good target um so so you're you're comp you'll be completely what do you call it zero emissions by or carbon carbon neutral i guess is the term net, net uh, zero carbon neutral in 20 zero. years yeah mm -hmm. 20 years and oh, that's good and for now and this year already we're only going to use renewable energy, nothing else. Okay. 
Yeah. And our company, we just stopped smoking indoors a couple of weeks ago. So we're, we're, we're on, we're on the path, but it's taken us a while to get there. <laughs> Sorry. I just yeah. said that. So HR would, would, uh, uh, give me a talking to later. Um, uh, I do have and a question. Actually, if I, if I, if I can add to that, so, so yeah, please. the, the, um, yeah, no, the, the um, applications I mentioned are kind of the classic things. There's some really cool new stuff happening, which also helps save carbon emissions. Like, for example, we have a customer in Spain called Emilio Moro, agriculture and, uh, and wine company. And we have created a solution with them where they put sensors connected on the Vodafone network, on their soil, you know, in their vineyards, everything. This is combined with data from um, satellites. And from this, they they always have the perfect humidity, temperature, and so on. So you can remotely manage where previously somebody needed to drive to the vineyard every day, um, measure manually. All these things significantly um, uh, save CO2 emissions on the fuel, but also that you don't have an excess of water uh, pumped into uh, into the soil there. Um, uh, all this is enabled by IoT. Yeah. yeah, and now they can focus on the more fun part, which is the wine tasting. Drinking the wine, and yes. Exactly, right. exactly. That's, <laughs> that's, but the, that's where the, they meet now. The thing I yeah. wanted to point out was like the other the other part of that that I think is really smart is like, you know, companies, I, I'm really pushing on companies now because it's just like, look, just ignore whatever you thought about corporate social responsibility in the past. The fact that climate change, especially in, the, in an agricultural setting, climate change is affecting those businesses so dramatically that they can't afford to just leave their water, their irrigation systems turned to a, to a, a fixed setting because it changes. Winter and summer have completely changed in terms of how much uh, heat they're getting, how much moisture the soil is getting, how much humidity is in the air and all that stuff. So you really do need to actively constantly monitor it, not just for, um, you know, for the profits and the bottom line, but also because you'd be a, you'd be an idiot not to because right now the the climate's changing at a rate that you can't predict what the weather's going to be so right. it's it's i i think it, it it all kind of ties together at a certain point it's like this this idea of you know it used to be this virtuous thing but i think because um the because the habits of consumers are changing the pandemic is completely um, unpredictable and the fact that um, the the climate itself is changing. I I, I think mo you know monitoring every stage of a business is is just what you have to do now. I don't I, I I'm sure you would agree with that or at least some part. No, of you're, it. you're you're 100 right. And and actually the data we have mm -hmm. also shows that because we do something called an IoT spotlight every year where we actually ask um, more than 10,000 customers around the world, large companies, small companies. How do they see um, the adoption of IoT? How do they use IoT? What benefits do they see? And with regards to sustainability, 84% of these um, companies actually say that IoT helps them meet their sustainability objectives, and almost everybody has such has such yeah. sustainability objectives. So uh, the awareness um, is out there, uh, yeah. which is which is great to see. Yeah, yeah, it, it used to be. Uh kind of it used to be almost a, a moral imperative and now i just feel like it's just what you have to do to keep your business absolutely, uh, uh, absolutely. operating well yeah. 
I was just gonna say I, I read it's um, you know, coffee is, is kind of a threatened product. And so I'm like, Yeah, yeah, no, it's coffee. it's, it's true. <laughs> and, it and when they run out of coffee, I mean I, I these podcasts will get really cranky really fast. <laughs> <laughs> it might be very unfriendly. Um so it, it would also, you know, since we've talked about, you know, the impact of the environment, obviously, like I said, another unpredictable thing that people are gonna be dealing with is you know, uh, the the return to uh, whatever happens post-pandemic. Um, but as, as we're preparing for that, um, has the pandemic changed what types, uh, how much and what type of IoT services uh, have been requested by customers uh, from, from Vodafone business? Yes, uh, definitely. So what the pandemic has done is, is it has, I would say, three impacts. One is um, initially um, in the pandemic, there was um, on the existing IoT connections, which are out there in the world, we saw a little bit less traffic. For example, during hard lockdowns, um, cars with norm which normally drive around didn't drive around. So there was a little bit less traffic. However, at the same time, we saw that all the companies actually started thinking about how can I use IoT in order to help either, either help my business through this pandemic or to set myself up for success um, uh, in the future. So the number of new projects that customers develop, uh, new connected objects, which previously were not connected, has actually exponentially increased. So, um, uh, and, uh, and, then, and then there were also new solutions which came about in order to fight COVID. We brought a few of these solutions to market ourselves so um, already last year in spring, we brought a connected video camera to the market, which was connected through 4G, 5G. So you didn't have all the complex cabling. And this video camera actually was able to filter out of a group of 10 people, a person when somebody had an increased temperature or a fever. And that is actually used at some customer sites at the entrance to their factories or their logistics centers in order to ensure that um, when somebody has a fever, you filter them out. It's also used at airports. Another example um, uh, was that uh, we created for the Italian um, amusement park, Gardaland, we created um, uh, wristbands with um, uh, sensors inside, which notice whenever somebody comes closer than um, 1.5 meters to this person, and uh, Garland actually gave these wristbands to all their employees so that they can prove at the end of the day, all right, everybody um, uh, kept enough distance to um, other people. And they also need that for employment law, because in Italy, um, as an employer, you are liable if, you're, if, you're, if your employee um, catches COVID while being at work um, and you need to prove that you did everything you could do. And, and that's a good way for them to manage social distancing. Then I was also, thinking you were gonna say yeah. that the um, the wristbands maybe like yelled at them or <laughs> you know, like back away. There's actually a vibration. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, you, okay. you notice that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's passive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's passive. passive um, but it also documents um, uh, yeah. at the end of the day documents a record and says, look here, you've be, you've um, actually stuck to all the rules. Then um, in countries such as Greece and Portugal we um, pushed um, so-called remote patient monitoring solutions where, uh, where especially elderly people, you know, with, with certain health conditions, 
uh, have their sensors at home, normal things such as temperature, um, uh, temperature, weight, that is all integrated, but also more complex things such as diabetes um, and, uh, and uh, uh, your, your uh, glucosis levels. And, uh, and, and, and these are remote maintenance solutions so that people do not need to go to the doctor, are not exposed um, in public transport, in public transport, and um, yeah. people can socially distance. So there are a lot of solutions. Oh, yeah. And finally, uh, we're very proud that um, uh, Vodafone is monitoring the cold chain of uh, lots of vaccines um, at the moment, because, as you know, all the vaccines need to stick to a certain temperature range during right. their transport, and that needs to be monitored. And that happens um, through um, our, uh, there's a specialized partner called Controland, a company uh -huh. in Iceland uh, with whom we work and for whom we uh, provide uh, the connectivity. So lots of demand came uh, actually from COVID to us. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, I, I was about to say, yeah, the vaccine uh, logistics had been, um, uh, you know, initially a problem here in the U.S. That they're they're starting to figure it out. But I think yeah. I think you I think you spotlighted a great use case for that, which is you know temperature controlled vials, the distance yeah, they have exactly. to go. It's a big deal. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and wrap up. Uh, we, we'll, we'll go with one more question, and then we'll uh, uh, Kelsey, you got something? We can go. We can go one more, and then let's uh, let's wrap it up. Yeah, just yep. wanted to hear a little bit uh, from you about uh, what kind of impact some technologies like blockchain, uh, edge computing, and mobile private networks have on the IoT market. Yeah, that's great because we were talking about that earlier about the the different um, kind of catalyst for the business, um, mm -hmm. kind of yep. all hitting hitting at the same time. Yeah. So these technologies, in my opinion, um, will significantly drive the adoption of um, IoT and will open up uh, the market for a lot more use cases, which previously weren't possible. Just to give you um, a few examples. Uh, uh, also, 5G networks are connected to that. Latency time is very important, the time that it takes for a message to get from point A to point B. Um, mm -hmm. With a 4G network, um, the latency is roughly about 30 to 40 milliseconds, which is a bit longer than the reaction time of a human being, which is roughly about 20 milliseconds. So even applications such as autonomous cars communicating with each other and then braking um, on a 4G network um, is a little worse than the human reaction time. Yeah, On a 5G network, it is one millisecond. And um, so a car communicating with another car can react 20 times faster than a human being, which obviously makes a great improvement. That's one example. Also, um, with a 5G network, if you have a virtual reality application, like, for example, glasses, which show you in a complex technical environment what this button means and that for maintenance crews, uh, that latency time doesn't make you dizzy. Um, if right. you have a, um, uh, another network, you can't really wear this um, all day long. Um, and mobile edge compute, where, where uh, combined with a mobile network, if, for example, you build a, pub, a mobile private network at a factory, you have a mobile edge computing there uh, where certain parts of the calculations are done, you can actually, uh, you can actually manage the robotics, uh, real-time robotics in the factory with this system which today is not possible when you want to do that on a cloud-based system because um, it just takes too long for the data to go to the cloud and, uh, and back. And finally, um, blockchain 
makes it possible for devices to identify themselves in a network and then it really becomes the Internet of Things where all IoT devices can communicate with each other and not like today where a lot of systems are still closed systems, right, where, for example, uh, an elevator from a certain company can communicate with the control center of that company but with nobody else. That's still very much the case today. But with blockchain, you can give a unique identifier to each uh, machine or device in the network, and they can exchange data and payments um, automatically. We're actually doing this already with um, our partner, Energy Web, uh, mm -hmm. who have a blockchain solution for, um, uh, for assets within an electric grid network. So for example, a solar panel communicates with a battery and they even do um, the, the money exchange um, through the blockchain. And what we provide there is the secure connectivity and also the space, the secure space on the SIM card to actually manage the blockchain um, right there. Very exciting <laughs> stuff. And this is really opening up uh, the world to all these new business models. That sounds great. Um, well, well, thanks for being uh, uh, so open about the uh, the different examples and giving us specifics there, because that definitely mm -hmm. helps uh, me to uh, picture what's going on out there in in, in reality yep. versus in theory. And uh, um, and like I said, we're we're uh, we'll, we'll have to wrap it up, but but uh, but let's uh, let's talk about this in the future. It sounds like there's a lot going on. Uh, Eric Brunei from Vodafone Business, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Kelsey. Thanks a lot, Phil. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Thanks to our amazing producer, Tian Fu, for all his hard work editing the podcast. And also a big thanks to our listeners for tuning in and sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you have any ideas about a future podcast topic or a potential guest for the show, please email us at editors at lightreading.com. Please also tell a friend to subscribe and thanks for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. We'll see you next time.